I didn't have any power, now I have power. This morning we're going to look at the power of God. This is an exciting passage of Scripture. It's only two verses, but it, is a, it packs a huge punch. We can learn so much. I, I love the Holy Bible. I love Scripture. I've got in my library books and books this thick on the power of God. And Paul, in two verses, says far more in those two verses on the power of God than all of those books combined. It's incredible when we turn to the Holy Scriptures, the, the, the Holy Power of God, and this is, this is eternal. This doesn't run out of date. It's incredible. And so if you're somebody who needs power this morning, I'd lean in, because this is where all power is. There is no power source outside of God. None. All power that we have, all power that we see, all power that we experience is from God whether we know Him or not. We've all been up against it in life. It wouldn't be life without that, amen? Life can get difficult, it can get tough, it can get sluggish. Often we're in a situation, maybe you're in one now, or if you're not in one now, you're just coming out of one, and and if that isn't true, trust me, this next season's got one coming for you, where life is just too big. There's a circumstance, or a challenge, or a situation in which we look at our own power, and then gaze at the the thing in front of us, and we see this huge, massive powerlessness to be able to rise to that task. And it creates in us anxiety and worry and doubt and depression. We see this taking place all over the world. This is how our country lives. The best thing that we can do as far as the world is concerned is just ignore it. Or what if we did this? What if we raised each other up? Have you ever been to Oprah Winfrey's website? I have, this week, studying for this passage. Because she is the queen of worldly advice. And on her website, she has all of these affirmations that you are supposed to look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, and certainly to look to your neighbor that is feeling one of these uh, times of, of great weakness up against something in life, and affirm in them. I've only got three. I could have, there was like over 40. But some of my favorites are, you can do it. You can do, you got this. You are enough. Just as you are. This is the world's advice. This woman has become rich and famous on giving advice like that. Because we eat it up. We turn into ourselves looking desperate for the power that we can't find. So we just ignore it by constantly reminding ourselves that we're enough. Constantly reminding ourselves that we can do it, that we've got this. Never paying attention to the fact that there might be a reason. There might be a reason why when we look within, we don't find enough power to accomplish what is necessary to accomplish. This is certainly Paul's advice, words of wisdom to the the church of Ephesus, did not line up or match with Oprah's whatsoever. See, the the Ephesians were certainly in in a very similar situation when Paul's writing to them from prison, mind you. They're up against it. They're they're feeling, feeling, uh, 
blown back. They're feeling inadequate. They're feeling unable. They're feeling fear and anxiety. So Christianity at that time was considered just a small, troublesome sect of Judaism, a passing fad, a difficulty that was so small and insignificant, all we had to do is wait it out and it'll dissipate. Believers were, and if that didn't work, believers were persecuted and often exiled. Living in a culture that was diametrically opposed to them, the Ephesians were. A massive pagan culture that they lived in, ridiculing them in one ear, and if they weren't getting it from that side, they were getting it from the Jewish community that was in their culture. And the other year, year, constant ridiculing. And then even within the church, they were told that they weren't doing it right because they weren't following the Old Testament Scripture. There was nowhere to turn. They were up against it. And they were losing heart. This is, this is the whole purpose of, of Paul writing Ephesus, the, uh, this, this, this epistle. They were thoroughly acquainted with their own powerlessness. But this is what Paul does. Paul, Paul says in the verse 20, the first three words there, powerful, powerful words. He says, now to him. Now to him. We understand your circumstance and your situation. Right? But, but, but we're not going to turn to you. You don't have what it takes. But guess what? He does. Amen? He is the one that we must turn to. Paul does not tell them to look to themselves to overcome, but to look to God. He didn't encourage the Ephesians by appealing to their talents or lack thereof. He points them to God. He establishes God's love, and now he points to his power. The power behind us is much greater than the evil is in front of us. Amen? Every time. I don't care what you're facing. The power behind you, the power within you, is sovereign over the evil that's in front of you. This is what he seeks to remind the Ephesians. It is in him we must turn in times of trouble. It is in him we must go and place our gaze. It is in him that we should go, we should go all of our reliance. Why? Because he says, in him who is able to do far more abundantly then all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So we're going to look at five things, five things, five, five attributes or, or understanding His power, the power of God. We got five truths in just these two little statements here. One, the first truth is that this power, this power that is exceedingly abundant a power that is exceedingly abundant. Not like the power of the Hudson Valley, uh, uh, Mid-Hudson Valley uh, uh, service provider. When it rains, the power goes off. You ever notice that lately? That's not the power we're talking about. We're talking about a power that is exceedingly abundant. Exceedingly abundantly more power than has ever been known. Surpassingly great. Unmeasurably wonderful. Mighty strength that leaves creation in awe. This is the power that he's talking about. He says it's abundantly. In fact, uh, more abundantly, the reason why that reads funny is because Paul literally made up a word. To just, there wasn't a word available in the current language for him to try to press in how powerful God was. He made it up. He's done that several times. 
There was some of the, trans, uh, the, the difficulty with translating some of the epistles is that Paul just makes up words when he's talking about God because there isn't any available. Even this probably falls short to what we're actually talking about when we talk about the power of God. The second thing is power that is beyond what we can imagine, what we can ask or think or even imagine. It is a power that is beyond what we can ask. And we know that we can ask. We are called to pray. Amen? We should be praying. We should be asking. We are called to pray, to, to ask without ceasing. God wants us to, over, to come to him like little children. Nothing against the little children in here, but have you ever... I have lived with a little child. And I can attest that per one every statement she makes, she has 15 questions. That's the ratio we're working. I mean, it's just question after question after question after question after question. This is what God's saying. Come to me. Bring it to me. Ask me. Ask me nonstop without ceasing constantly about everything. Don't stop coming to me in awe and wonder and in need. Constantly asking. Constantly coming to me. We're never, we never need to be shy about asking. We're always in danger of not asking enough. Each and every one of us are in danger this morning of not asking God for enough and bold enough. Amen? We are never in danger of asking too much. He's never going, man, that Jake, he is a needy man, oh man. I'm getting to my limit with that guy. Never. I'm nowhere near him getting to that point. Why? Because his power is far more abundantly than all that I can ask or even imagine. I can't ask him out of power. I can't even imagine him out of power. Isn't that good news this morning? For people who have no power, to see and sit here and look at these words and go, this is a power that I cannot exhaust. Three, the third thing we see is that it is a power that is at work. It's a power that is at work. The word there is pieo, and I may not be pronouncing that right. That's the Greek word there, but I, I didn't care so much about the pronunciation of the Greek word, but its definition, which is to make, cause, effect, bring about, accomplish, perform, provide, or create. Is that not our God? Are we sleeping this morning? We're talking about the power of God. Work with me here. This is a God that is currently making, causing, affecting, bringing about, accomplishing, performing, providing, and creating. Amen? This is a God that is at work. He's not idle. He's not inactive. And He's not dead. He's alive right now, working. He's busy right now in His power. And it is on display everywhere that we go. Those of us who feel like we have no access to power need only to open up our eyes and to look and to behold the power of God is in display everywhere. Everywhere. It's on full display. It's seen in every redeemed soul, every regenerate heart, every repented spirit. This is what he said in, in, in Ephesians 2.10, right? You were dead. In trespasses. Amen? 
but God, the working power of God, rich in mercy, rich in love, rich in abundant power, made you alive again in Jesus Christ. Is that not full-on power on display for the glory of God? You're up against a sin. You're up against a dead nature. You're up against an unregenerate heart which cannot know or love or seek God in one moment. And then in the next, you find yourself on your knees, tears streaming from your face, and you cannot take your gaze off the beauty that is Jesus Christ. Is that not glorious power on display? This is, this is what the church is involved in. It, 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 this is what we're all involved in. This is what the power of God is all about. And it is a power, the fourth thing we're looking at is it is a power that is within us. It's a power that is within us. Acts 1 says, but you will receive, this is Jesus' words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness to Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Can you imagine the, 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 the great commission that's put upon the 12, really 11 at that time, 11 men? Fishermen? You know, these aren't like extraordinary men. And they go, hey, you 11 guys, because the one has, has totally failed us all. Uh, your job is to make sure that this gospel makes it around the entire globe, stretches into every nook and cranny and every crevice of this planet. Uh, Have you ever felt powerless before? How is that supposed to happen? Well, even even as we look at the the Kingston Lions Church, and and we look and we go... uh, Oh, we want to we want to make Jesus' name famous and known. We want to we want to fill this present his this area with his presence. And we walk out and we're we're blocks away from the LGBTQ headquarters. When you when you go to these things, these different places, I don't know if I've gone down there a lot. A lot of them have want nothing to do. There's a postmodern, post anti Christian, and, and you got to sit there and go how. How are we gonna how are we gonna proclaim effectively the gospel to these people? Well, if we're looking at our own might, our own power, our own resources, it's not gonna happen. I sometimes laugh at the amounts of books and books, and even this week I was at this wonderful thing, but I went into this one session, I kept rolling my eyes because they extensively talked about how to communicate with a Gen X servers, how to communicate with a millennial. They've done all this research, and they have all these maps and all these church growth strategies. And I go, what about the Holy Spirit? Whatever happened to the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's bad if a CMA class isn't mentioning the Holy Spirit. We are all about the Holy Spirit in the CMA. Amen? We must get out of this idea or this, this thing that this is ours to do. This, this, is, this is for Jesus Christ to do. This is what he says in Acts 2. And day by day, this is the report... This is what the, the church did in Acts 2. They, 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 they worshipped God. 
They loved God. They obeyed God, right? And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Not their pastor, not their... No, the Lord. The Lord added to it. This is what Jesus told, told Peter, right? And I tell you, you are Peter... On this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. So we need to ask ourselves, listen, are, are, are we being rocks? That's all we got to do is just be a rock in the, the presence of God. We need to understand fully our need for that presence of the Holy Spirit. Then rely on that Holy Spirit and we simply become a rock. You know what a rock does? Just sits there. And then, and then Christ on that rock builds his church. It's not a power that is our own, but it is within us. And we need not ever feel ashamed or limited by our weakness. We live in a culture where, man, if you've got a weakness, if, if, you, if you've got something that's, that's weak, hide it. Don't put it on display. Right? And, and we have a tendency as Christians to, to do that, to fall in, to, to judge our, our abilities by our own measure. And if we're weak, we try to hide it. But this is, this is what Paul went right to God with his weakness. And he says, listen, take this from me. And, and, and God said, no. And this is what he says. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul hears this and he turns and he says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We need to be boasting about our weakness. We need to be talking about our insufficiencies and how we cannot do it so that God can do it and nobody can point or even mistake that it was us. Amen? It must have been God, because he is constantly talking about how he cannot. And yet, here it is. So how is it so? It is by the power of God. Verse 21 says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ, Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Fifth thing we learn, I've already talked about it, is the power of it's a power that puts his glory on display in the church. And number six, it is a power that is eternal. It's a power that is eternal. It, it's an inexhaustible power. The Bible says a lot about this. A lot. I've given us three verses to, to ponder this morning on this topic of God's power being eternal. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 says, For, for I, the Lord, do not change. I love that verse. You don't need very much theological thinking, right? He just says right there, I, the Lord, do not Change. And James 1 says, For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So what does this mean for us? It means that if, if, if God has ever, even one time in your life, even if it was 20 years ago, if He's ever proven His power in your life, if, if you've ever experienced His mighty hand, if you've ever gotten through that tough situation, you've ever conquered that awful sin, if you've ever triumphed over the seemingly impossible challenge, then you can rest assured His power will come through again. Because He doesn't change. It doesn't run out. There's no expiration date on it. If He's displayed His power once, He will do it again and again and again long after you're gone. For eternity. It's an inexhaustible, unchanging power. We have reason to question our own abilities, our power and our strength. We weren't built with those things on purpose in His sovereignty. We are not built for glory. We are built to reflect glory. We are built to need. We are built to rely. This is what Paul is telling the Ephesians. He says, listen, we know you're up against it. We get that. I mean, for goodness sake, I'm in prison. Again. <laughs> but but we, don't, we don't worry about any of that. In fact, we boast about it. Because it's not our power that's going to carry out this mission. It's not our power that's going to help us continue on uh, faithfully. It's not our power that we're doing these things. It is by the power that is within. A power that is not yours, but a power that is indeed at work within through the Holy Power, the Holy Spirit of power. And it is a power, along with a love, that is unknowable, unsearchable, unfathomable, beyond your comprehension, beyond your conception. As wild as you get with your imagination concerning the love and the power of God. You're an heir. Amen? So this is the message to the Ephesians this morning. This is the message to us. That God loves you, He's alive in you, and He is working His power through you, all for His glory. Seek not your own power. Place your gaze upon Him. Reliant and dependent like a child. And know that if he's ever worked, he's going to work this time again. Amen? Heavenly Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your power, your sustaining power, your, your regenerating power, your redeeming power, a power that we could talk about for days on end and not even come close to scratching the surface of how almighty and powerful that you are. But you are not a distant power. You are a power that is active and caring and loving in our lives. In fact, it is a power that loves so much that you have come down. You've set that power aside and walked in the flesh that you might be close to us, that you might offer us that power. Let us not forget the, the cost it cost you to bring that power and presence to us in a way that is relational and intimate, that we all have access to 
if we would but stop looking into ourselves and gaze upon you and upon the cross, remembering who we are in Jesus Christ and the access that we have through the blood in our own spirits because it is there where you dwell today. Thanks be to Jesus Christ and the cross and all of salvation. It is in his name we pray. Amen. As we head into communion, we're going to sing um, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. I think it's number 84.